Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you broadcasting on a Friday morning in Happy Valley. We got a lot to catch up on. You'll hear from Christian Veyu, the incoming Penn State quarterback, as we continue our look at the early enrollee class. Seven guys joining the roster in this upcoming week. Uh, very quickly, the roster has changed. We're going to address that. Uh, some confirmations of players who are staying, of players who are going. And we have a full sense now of what the senior class has decided to do with that offered bonus year of NCAA eligibility. That's all coming your way, along with our five-star mailbag. Some really good questions uh, thrown our way and that this time around. But, Sean, um, we start before we get to Christian, before we get to these new guys, with, with some answers from members of the 2020 team. And one that we've referenced for a while here, Rashid Walker, Staying on campus, he'll be a third-year starter at left tackle and a huge boost for Phil Troutwine and I think ultimately a huge boost potentially for Rasheed Walker's NFL draft stock. Both of those very much so uh, true because you're looking at the season that he had and really the preseason hype for Rasheed Walker was, okay, if he has a good season, he's young enough, he's athletic enough, he's talent. You could just see the talent coming out of him where if he can turn this into a, a good season, a good to great season, you know, he creeping up into the first round or something in the back end of the first round or something like that, because he's got, he checks a bunch of those boxes came out, had an okay year. I mean, it wasn't anything that was horrible. It wasn't anything that you could write home about in terms of being great. He was just kind of out there and, and doing his job and everything. And that really wouldn't move the needle uh, from the draft perspective. So I'm, I'm sure the feedback was go back, you know, get stronger, you know, work on some of these things and, and come back. And, and I think you can still see a first or second round pick out of him. It's just a matter of getting some of the, the little things down for him. But I, I really, you know, with, with Will Fries and, and Michael Manick gone, you really didn't want to lose a third starter out of this group. And of course, CJ Thorpe has moved on as well. Um, but it, it, it's really one of those continuity things. You're bringing back uh, an experienced guy, Mike Miranda, Caden Wallace, who they think is going to be really good, um, you know, had some some time there at the end of the season as a starter. So just getting back Rasheed Walker is, is a huge deal. I mean, just uh, you got your left tackle, which we 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 tend to lean too much toward okay he's protecting the quarterback's blind side the left tackle is more important than anybody else that's probably not as true in the college game sometimes you can flip those guys we've actually seen Walker on the right side at times uh, but it, it's so important to get that continuity back there to get that experience we saw what having Will Fries out there moving him into guard you saw how that helped Caden Wallace all season long so in, in terms of coming back and you know I still think Brisker is very important I still think Jahan Dotson is very important Rasheed Walker maybe overlooked a little bit in that importance, but still a huge uh, cog in that offensive line coming back. I know that the all Big Ten teams, the, a lot of people get turned off by that conversation. And I think ultimately a little bit more motivated to check out the coaches votes than the media votes. And, and I get that. Um, when you look at, at, at those votes last year, Sean, and, and where the Big Ten coaches went, uh, the three other guys who were full-time starters, Mike Miranda, Will Fries, and Michael Mennett, were either second or third team guys as voted on by the conference coaches. Uh, C.J. Thorpe, Caden Wallace, they were involved, but neither of them were full-time starters over the course of the season from game one through game nine. Rasheed Walker is the only full-time starter who was left out of those first three teams as voted on by the coaches. He was a third team selection by the media, but I think right there that addresses, you know, there is major room for growth. We've heard Phil Trotwine talk about Rasheed Walker's high, high ceiling. That was reflected in his status as a recruit coming out of, uh, of high school. And, 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 you know, at the time, I think he was the, I think he remains a, a top three or four 
uh, offensive lineman. And you look at the the composite rating signed by James Franklin since he arrived at Penn State. And he's going to be a third year starter. Uh, but he's a guy who I, th- I think probably in, in his imagination, if he let his imagination run back in August and looking ahead to this year, probably anticipated or hoped that he would be preparing for the NFL draft at this point, coming off of a strong season. Uh, it was a strange year. Uh, he had a first year offensive line coach. And I, I think the, the, that the marriage between you know, him and Phil Troutline, the marriage between him and Penn State, this is one that was obvious to me where the, the mutual uh, beneficiaries going into 2021 by keeping this thing together, you, you keep, some, keep some stability on the offensive front. I think this opens the door for you to pursue some other things on the offensive line. And additionally, this, this says, Rasheed Walker, sink your teeth into this process for the next year, and it could be a huge, huge payday for you at the end of the line. Absolutely. And, and I don't think it's any secret. You look, uh, you know, follow his, his social and stuff like that. When he was getting projected in these mock drafts, I mean, that's something he paid attention to. And that's, you know, for, for good or bad. I mean, it can be really good, can be really bad. For Rasheed Walker, I'm not sure it was a great thing to see his name up there um, because of, uh, despite the potential, despite everything that we think he can be, and, you know, he hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been that player. He hasn't been that first round pick or the second round pick or whatever. So I, I'm not surprised by that. I think that there's a lot that he can gain by coming back. And and on the flip side, it's kind of like Jaquan Brisker on the flip side. If he doesn't come back, Penn State's in trouble at tackle. So um, you, you've got this uh, this sort of – it helps Rasheed Walker coming back undoubtedly. It really helps Penn State for him to come back next year. So mutually beneficial. And to be on top of that, uh, Penn State really hasn't had – a ton of luck with some of these decisions in the last couple of years. And, and we've, I think we've kind of harped on all the bad news from off seasons past and they've kind of flipped that on their head. So even to get back Walker, who probably is a mid round pick at this point to get back Brisker, who's probably an early mid round pick at this point and to get back Dotson, who's probably a mid round pick at this point, some of those guys have gone in the past. And that's really something that, that I think that you've seen differently in this off season. It, it speaks well to the culture and what they're trying to do, especially coming off of a frustrating season as they did. Um, so it, it, it's a really big decision to get those three back. Obviously, OA is a guy that we've pegged for a long time, was was going to be gone pretty much regardless. But to get three of those four guys back is something that's not happened for Penn State in the last couple of years. And it's certainly a big boon to that 2021 uh, team. Tossing the return of Tariq Castro Fields, who clearly was impacted by missing two thirds of his senior season in 2020. Uh, that's all since the start of January. Rasheed Wallace, uh, Jahan Dotson, Tariq Castro Fields, Jaquan Brisker, if those guys are healthy and able to perform for you in the upcoming season, those could be four of the better players on your entire roster. I think uh, assuredly a few of those guys, including Jahan Dotson, um, you know, they, they, they stood to make some money for themselves if they went pro. Um, but I think that, you know, it makes that midseason speculation, the conversation of James Franklin losing control of his locker room, uh, you know, the culture being out of sorts. I said this during the season, late in the season, you didn't see those opt outs that were just going on at such a prevalent rate for other programs that were particularly struggling at different points of this season. Now you're seeing guys re-upping for more Penn State football. It tells me that that speculation was misplaced. And and we had talked about the potential of is Tariq Castro Fields opting out, but not, you know, is he not just 
following through and going public with it. And obviously that's, that wasn't the case. So yeah, you've seen some of these, these turns, Pat Fryermuth, obviously I think if he could have played, he would have played, but made the safe and correct decision to, to get that, uh, that, that surgery on his shoulder. And it, it, I think a lot of that, these things have lined up and it's been a positive for them. Um, and it probably just was even though it looked bad on the field, it probably wasn't as bad in the locker room as, as many would have thought. Now, you lose five straight games. It's not going to be a great uh, bar to go on, but at the same time, getting these guys back, seeing the way that they've come through. And, you know, we, we talked about a potential, not mass exodus, but we talked about a lot of guys moving on and that still very well may happen. I mean, you've got guys that are going to, you know, enroll for the spring that have to get their degree in the spring. Um, you've already seen that with CJ Thorpe or go through spring ball and maybe find out that they're not where they're at on the pecking or not where they think they should be on the pecking order. That's typical attrition. But, you know, if you're expecting 10, 12 guys to hit the portal right away that are non-walk-ons, um, then that's, you know, that hasn't happened yet. And that's certainly a good sign. And you go back to last year with the the guys leaving early, even a couple of years ago with guys like Kevin Givens leaving early and, and guys that weren't going to get drafted. Um, you know, it says something about bringing these guys back and it's a step in the right direction. I'm not saying that they're there yet or anything like that, but given the, the precedent that's been set, excuse me, the precedent that's been set by some of these uh, past players, it's certainly a good sign for, for James Franklin's program. Uh, by the way, Rashid Walker will retain redshirt sophomore status. I don't think you should uh, maybe count on him for three more seasons. I was going to say, I don't, think that, I don't think that matters. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but that's where that is right now. And, and uh, you know, I think because of this, it, a third-year starter out of that spot, another multi-year starter, um, you know, add some points to the impact of that 2018 recruiting class that we've discussed with Jahan Dotson re- remaining. He's going to be a fourth-year starter for you and Rashid Walker remaining as a third-year starter. I'm not saying that class lived up to everything it was built to be, but it, it does go beyond Micah Parsons and Pat Fryermuth. I know those are the, kind of the two guys people talk about, and then they wonder what went wrong elsewhere. Uh, Dotson, Walker, uh, remaining with this team, I think, you know, put a feather in the cap there of, of that class w- with those results. From guys who are staying to those who are moving on, Lamont Wade adds his name to that list. He will focus in on preparing for the NFL and uh, putting himself in a position to go out there and earn a professional paycheck at the next level. Um, This is a guy who was a team captain in 2020. Uh, He started the final 22 games of his career after transitioning from cornerback to safety. He remains the highest rated defensive back signed by James Franklin. That is according to the 24-7 Sports Composite. Based on that, he's actually the number eight overall recruit to sign with Penn State since Franklin arrived in 2014. And because of that, Sean, this is, and some other things, I mean, he's got the personality, but this is one of those hot topic players throughout his career. And that was evidenced once again on the Lions 24-7 message boards after he made this announcement on Thursday night. Well, thank you very much, Rivals Camps, for making that one happen because they put him at the number 11 prospect in the country, which, you know, as we said, I I thought Lamont Wade, you know, had a chance to be a good prospect. We had him at the bottom of the top 100 there on 24-7 sports, but uh, you put him at the number 11 player in the country, it's certainly going to come with expectations. Now, um, rating a a 5'9 cornerback that high is, uh, you know, recipe for for disaster most of the time. And it turned out, you know, he didn't live up to those skills. And it was interesting with, with Wade because I thought, you know, given what we saw at the end of the year with him at uh, as a kick returner with the ball in his hands, I thought maybe maybe hits the portal and you know goes not not so much down a level, but there was talk about him maybe ending up at West Virginia and playing running back or something of those along those lines where he get the ball in his hands, show a little bit different uh, from a skill perspective. He mentioned in his video he's going to enter the draft and and do what he can to 
you know, make a pro career and, and all the best to him, certainly. Um, but I, I don't know how he's going to do it as a safety. It's got to be a special teams guy, maybe a guy that can show that he can do something with the ball in his hands. I, I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but uh, undoubtedly, looking back at his entire career, it didn't really pan out the way you thought it would. Now, I will say this about Lamont Wade. You look at where he was at his lowest in his senior year, um, man-to-man on the slot, playing you know the, a nickel corner for all, for all intents and purposes, and did not go well. They moved him out of that role in the second half of the year. Actually, wasn't too bad. And, he, and he, I think he obviously comes with a lot of baggage when you talk about how he's been handled by the fan base for his comments that he's made on, on social media and things like that, but really wasn't as bad as you thought, you know, he was or he could be down the stretch. So I think it's a very um, uh, complicated legacy to leave undoubtedly. Um, but he certainly did some nice things and ended his career in a, in a nice way with that kickoff return for a touchdown. You mentioned a low point this year. I think the low point in his career and his ability to bounce back from that, his sophomore year uh, playing time dwindled from his freshman year at cornerback um, he's the guy who entered that transfer portal following his sophomore year, following that 2018 season. And he basically admitted it last year that, that looking back at, at that point, halfway through college, his confidence in a lot of ways was shot. You know, he, he, he was losing that love, the, the, the passion. And this is a guy that moved to safety, doubled down on his love for football, was able to go out there, be a starter for 22 consecutive games, I think that says something about the safety position for Penn State. It also says something about Lamont Wade. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, ends up being a team captain. I mean, this is a player who, who you wondered if he was going to be checked out with this program uh, after his sophomore year and, and working his way to this point as a senior, um, you know, and wishing him well. He, he says that uh, his thir- three-year-old son, Roman, is going to be the motivation here. I think you're right about getting the ball in his hands, and, and, and I'm pretty fascinated considering what we saw f- with that in high school and what we saw in his last game as a Penn State Nittany Lion uh, w- with the ball in his hands. Maybe you would have loved to have seen some more of that over the course of his college career, uh, but you know, he'll have an opportunity here, just like everybody else who's leaving Penn State to, to take on that challenge. And um, You're right, though. There, there are some serious questions about his ability to go out and carve out a career, particularly at, at safety primarily in the NFL. But uh, we, we've seen guys, you know, overcome the odds before. And, and considering the athletic pedigree here, you give a guy like Lamont Wade a shot. And as we said on Tuesday, anticipating this move, the starting spot next to Jaquan Brisker is, is open. That's going to be a competition that's going to be incredibly important for several players in this roster to see where they are. Uh, this spring, we hope there'll be a full slate of practices to work through that. But it's going to be incredibly important to see what Penn State's defense is capable of doing because the playback there needs to be better. You think you saw Jaquan Brisker really turn a corner late in the 2020 season. You hope that sustains. You got to find the right guy next to him because really like what they have at cornerback. If you can get it down and lock down there at safety with two reliable dynamic starters – goes a long way for what this defense wants to accomplish. Yeah. And before moving on to that, just with, with Lamont Wade, I mean, motivation has really never been a factor for him and it, it's, it's always been that talent and unfairly probably, probably unfairly to him where he came in with that lofty ranking, considering he was playing single a ball. He was a standout running back and you thought, okay, maybe that that's something that can transfer over. And then he came in, played right away, had a really good spring as a freshman. He came in early and, and led the team in takeaways during that spring, uh, kind of a misnomer there. And, and, you know, Know, not a sign of things to come. Um, and that's really kind of unfortunate. So I think he's just a little above his head in terms of what what was expected of him and what he was able to do. And w- while I say that, and I say it sounds like I'm 
being a, a weight apologist here, he's going to be replaceable at safety. I mean, they're, they're going to find somebody that can come in and, and, and do what he did at safety, whether it's Jair Brown, whether that's somebody from the portal, one of those young guys stepping up is very much wide open. I uh, need somebody to, to compliment Jaquan Brisker because, you know, I think Brisker, if he's coming back, he's going to expect a role where he can shine. And, you know, it's tough to say that with safety because, you know, what are you going to do to make a safety shine? Well, you know, you, you emphasize him, you get him in a little bit more space and maybe play a little bit more of that center field and, and find a guy that can come up and play in the box. And I think they have guys that can do that. It's just a matter of having the, the experienced guys that can do that. And, and, and whether that's going to happen, you know, sort of snap your fingers and go, I, I have my doubts right now, but uh, we'll see where that position lies in a couple of months for spring ball, because it's going to be a very interesting depth chart to, to roll out there in the spring. And I do wonder if the days are numbered uh, for safety filling that star role, at least for now. We saw the transition away from Levant Wade over the course of the 2020 season. Daquan Hardy's the guy who stepped up there. I just feel like the cornerback room right now lends itself better to slot coverage. Um, you know, maybe there's someone in that safety room is going to go ball out. Prove me wrong, but uh, I just anticipate that 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 makes the most sense from from a term of personnel and how you're kind of moving guys around the field as the as the game dictates. Um, so we have some finality here now, Sean, with this senior group. It was a small group of scholarship seniors, only eight guys. Here's what we've got now: staying for an extra year at Penn State, Tariq Castro Fields, Jaquan Brisker in the defensive backfield. Now focused on the NFL, offensive lineman Will Fries, Michael Mennett. Uh, safety Lamont Wade, as we just discussed, and defensive end Shaka Tony uh, transferring out of Penn State, playing elsewhere for an extra year. Antonio Shelton, the defensive tackle, going to the Florida Gators. And then Shane Simmons, uh, pretty quickly after that Illinois game, says, that's it for me. My college career is finished. So, I mean, that's it. I mean, put a bow on, on that senior class. You've got you know three guys who are going to play in 2021, two of them here at Penn State. The rest are moving on. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much as expected, I think. And that's um, that's scary when you think about it, because that's not usually how things have gone to plan. Um, yeah, I mentioned uh, the, those guys focused on the NFL. Will Fry's training in uh, New Jersey. Michael Mennett training down in Pensacola, Florida. Um, Shaka Tony, I think, is is probably going to be the highest drafted of those guys. And and, and we'll see you know, what he develops in, in as a pro. And I guess we'll see with Lamont Wade. It's a, this is a very interesting dynamic here, because it's not really anything that we had planned on following as closely as we had. It's, it's funny. I got a message um, a couple of weeks ago. I think actually after Will Fries, we put the Will Fries story up. It's like, are all these six year guys not coming back? Is that, is that actually a story? And I'm like, well, apparently it is now. So that's, uh, that's kind of, that's kind of the way we go with it. So, um, so definitely good luck to all those guys. Uh, Hopefully can maybe get a couple of those guys on the podcast to talk about their careers and things like that in the coming months as we try to, uh, you know, slug through another off season. But after slugging through last off season, we're, we feel (laughs) we're pretty fortunate to do so because it seems like there's some sort of light at the end of the tunnel football wise here. So uh, just a couple months till spring ball, just a month until, less than a month until signing day, which honest to God, uh, feels like <laughs> is not even happening anymore because we're all in on the portal right now. And we're talking all these things and we're talking about 2022 commits and things like that. Still a couple of guys out there in the 2021 class. You and I were joking about it earlier because uh, Calvin Johnson Jr., the, the dynamic athlete from Mississippi who uh, Penn State's still after as a, as a receiver athlete, you, know, you can play whatever, just decommitted from Navy uh, last night. And and you're like, you saw that. And I was like, yeah, I, I thought he decommitted weeks ago months ago and you just forget about these guys because the 2021 cycle has been so crazy and so fragmented and given the way that it's gone with Penn State it's really not a surprise that it feels that way well if you've got people sending you messages and and we've got plenty asking us questions about 
six-year decisions at college level. Get ready for the January storyline of 2022. The third-year freshman, will they stay? Will they go to the draft? That is the one we're going to have to wrap our heads around next time as a ramification of what has happened here uh, through the eligibility status and the NCAA's handling of that. And to build on that, uh, not this is not a big point or anything like that, but the two guys that are coming back, Tariq Castro-Fields was a fourth-year guy. Jaquan Brisker was a fourth-year guy. So those six-year guys are all, you know, done and dusted. They're gone. And, you know, it's it's I guess it's kind of like adding a redshirt year for Castro-Fields or maybe getting just a bonus year with Brisker because, you know, you didn't have him for the first two years of his career. So those two from that angle kind, kind of make sense. Well, talking about the veterans here, the, the 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 easily the oldest guys in the roster, we're going to go to the newcomers in just a moment. Christian Veiu is heading to campus on Saturday, ready to start his career as a quarterback at Penn State. He'll be the first addition uh, for a new offensive coordinator. He talks about that transition, which happened a week before he arrives, and, and talks about his expectations for what is next as he makes the move from his native Canada. You'll hear from Christian in a moment. We'll shift our focus over to quarterbacks who are front and center uh, so far with a new offensive coordinator. And we'll cover more ground on the six other early enrollees. That list, we'll go through that a little bit later, followed by our five-star mailbag. Stay with us right here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. We've heard from Christian Veiu before. We have another opportunity to do that right now. And the future Penn State quarterback joins this conversation on the Lions 24-7 podcast. And it is the not-so-distant future now, Christian. You are making the trip to campus this weekend, getting ready as we speak, flying out of Montreal on Saturday. You'll be in State College by the end of that day and officially joining the squad the upcoming week. What's going through your mind right now? Uh, I mean, I'm excited. You know, I've been looking forward to this. Um since I committed and really been looking forward to going to college for the past three years. So, you know, the fact it's finally here, um, I'm excited for it, to say the least. So, Last time we spoke with you, you, you know, were coming to the realization that a senior season wasn't going to be able to happen for you at the Bullets School in Maryland because of the circumstances. Can you kind of fill us in on, on how this fall went for you away from high school competition? I know you were still very active and kind of trying to stay sharp. You know, it sucked that I didn't get a senior season and, um, you know, being stuck back home. Uh, I got a, in a pretty good routine, you know, working out, um, got on a nutrition plan. So I gained some pretty good weight, gained some good muscle mass. And, um, you know, it was kind of a blessing in disguise to have that extended off season. you know, just to really sharpen everything up and, you know, really get ready for college. So I feel like, you know, there's a lot of pros and cons to it, but um, in the end, I think it'll benefit me a lot. So no complaints. Sounds like some physical development. What, what are you kind of checking in right now, weight-wise? Um, right now, I'm 201. So uh, when I came back home um, in March, I was about 192, 193. So um, I definitely got down on the body fat and gained a lot of muscle mass, which uh, I'm pretty happy about. So I think that nutrition plan really helped me out with that. So, um, yeah, I got some good gains over um, the time period I was home. So Still somewhere between 6'3 and 6'4 at this stage? Yeah, I'm pretty much a solid 6'4 now, so. All right. Let's get right into it because in the past week, you know, we got some pretty surprising news on our end with offensive coordinator Kirk Shiraka, Penn State moving on from him, and Mike Yersich coming in after some time with the Texas Longhorns and a pretty impressive history with working with quarterbacks. When did you learn of that decision, and was that something that James Franklin filled you in on about the reasons? Yeah, I mean, I called um, I called Coach Franklin 
um, what had happened. I was actually working out when the news came out. So, um, like, I didn't find out until, like, one in the afternoon or I think it was noon or something. So, um, yeah, I called Coach Franklin and, um, you know, we talked about it. He told me. Um, and I was pretty excited. You know, I, I did my research on Coach Jurisic. And um, I think that what he's done at, you know, Texas and Ohio State the past two years, I think it will translate really well to um, the guys we have at Penn State and what we want to do at Penn State. So um, I think just overall, it's a great fit. And, you know, I talked to him after I got on the phone with Coach Franklin and um, he had a lot of great things to say. So, you know, I'm really excited to work with him. I do want to ask about Coach Yersich, but Kurt Taraka is a guy you sat down with and watched film with. And, and ultimately, when you committed, he was the offensive coordinator here and who you thought you'd be working with. Did he have any kind of communication with him after this news surfaced? I mean, I called him um, the day of as well. So, um, you know, he was a huge part of me, you know, committing to Penn State. We had a great relationship, I felt. So, um, you know, I called him, you know, we talked for a little bit. You know, he just told me to um, keep doing what I'm doing. He knows I'll be successful at Penn State and um, to keep working hard. So, you know, I wish him the best and um, whatever he's doing in the future. And, um, you know, I was happy that he recruited me the way he did. So. Looking forward with Coach Yersich getting settled in on campus. I'm sure he's just trying to figure out what he's got at quarterback right now with some of those guys who were there. And you're going to be joining that mix here in the next few days. What was his essential, I guess, opening message to you about what his vision is for the Penn State offense? What his vision is for that quarterback position moving forward? He pretty much told me that, um, you know, he's trying to put up some points on the board. You know, he knows the weapons we have at Penn State and he, he has a plan for what he wants to do with that. and. Um, you know, he told me that um, he loves what I could do in the system. You know, he's one of the um, like prototypical quarterback he looks for. And I think he uh, he thinks I'll be successful in his offense. So um, he had a lot of great things to say. And I think he's excited as well to, to join the family. So you've had a chance now to get to know these 2021 signees and well, now they're signees, but for a while commits. What do you think about the way this group stayed together despite some struggles on the field, that 0-5 start? There was a lot of noise about where the program was headed. Things finished on a high note with four straight wins. What do you think was the key to everyone staying firm with their commitments and getting to the finish line on signing day in December? I think it just added a, like a little bit of um, motivation and ambition for us. You know, seeing, seeing the guys go on five, you know, it was tough. Like, I won't lie. Um, we didn't like it, but we knew that, you know, our class would be um, our class would have the opportunity to come in and, you know, make a difference. You know, and we felt like, um, you know, we don't want that to, to happen again. Um, and we set goals for ourselves to come in and um, have the impact that we think we're going to have. So, um, you know, all the guys, you know, we I don't think anybody really thought about decommitting throughout that whole season. Um, everybody just got closer and closer. So um, our class is pretty solid. So I'm happy with that. Since we last spoke, Penn State added a couple more offensive weapons that, that could be really important for you down the road. Khalil Dinkins at tight end out of the Pittsburgh area. And then one that kind of came up from off the radar, Harrison Wallace, a wide receiver down in Alabama, considered a four-star prospect. He joins the class late as well. That means there's three four-star wide receivers with him, Liam Clifford and Lonnie White. What is your reaction to, to what came together and particularly getting those two guys who you may be looking toward downfield in the years to come? Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm super happy um, to have those guys on my team. You know, um, you know, when each one of them committed or when I committed, I knew, I knew Liam was committed before me. You know, like I watched all their tape and, you know, just watching their tape, like you get excited just seeing those guys run and catch the ball. So for me, um, getting Khalil and 
um, getting Harrison Wallace, you know, it was really exciting. And, um, you know, I can't wait to hit those, the field with those guys. So. I know you were watching the Nittany Lions closely over the course of those nine games. Um, some guys that were, are very young that you're going to be playing with Kevon Lee, Keziah Holmes, Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson, another Canadian prospect. And of course, Parker Washington, who went out and made a case for Big Ten freshman of the year, potentially. What do you think about these young weapons that kind of had to step up because of injuries or just because they, they outplayed some older guys? What, what do you think about that young foundation on offense right now? And I really liked it, you know, seeing those freshmen um, getting playing time and stuff. You know, it was a good sign for them to, you know, just learn, get developed, get comfortable. And um, I feel like for me, you know, coming in, um, it's good. So when I get to play, I play with those guys who have already had um, those years of experience. And um, for them to be playing as freshmen, I think it speaks a lot to their talent, their work ethic. And um, I'm just excited to get down there and get to throw to like Parker and, um, Keandre and hand the ball off to Kaziah and Kevion Lee for sure. So I'm excited. We've talked about this subject before, but Theo Johnson showing up on the field late and doing some good things kind of reinforces the fact that there is a major Canadian influence on this Nittany Lions roster. Jesse Lucetta, a starting linebacker, Jonathan Sutherland, a two-time team captain on special teams, and, and now Theo, an emerging talent at tight end. You join the roster within the next few days. What are the vibes regarding Penn State up in your home country? You know, just the impact that, you know, us Canadians have had on the roster. And I think me coming in, being the fifth Canadian on the team, it um, speaks volume to the talent um, and, you know, the the football that comes from Canada. So um, every day, you know, we're just trying to rep our country and, um, you know, give hope to the kids out here that, you know, everybody can make it. Um, you just got to have the right work ethic um, and the right mentality. So um, for us, you know, we, we feel like it's bigger than us. And every single day we're trying to go out there and, prove everybody that you know Canadian kids can ball just like Americans so you earned your scholarship offer from Penn State back in the summer of 2019 you were on campus participating in drills there's been a couple offensive coordinator changes since then but I'm curious how have you changed since then you you were deemed worthy of that scholarship opportunity by Penn State how are you different than that kid the guy that they're getting on campus here this weekend just from um, you know, football talent standpoint, you know, development standpoint, maturity standpoint. I think um, from the offer, I've definitely grown a lot. Um, and thanks to the recruiting process, I think that really helped me grow and realize what's really important in this um, this business of college football. So, um, you know, I'm excited to get there and I feel like the guy they're going to get, you know, they won't regret it. Now, tell our listeners a little bit about what this journey looks like for you, because you know we, we had Nate Bruce on earlier this week, the offensive lineman who you'll be getting to spend a lot of time with. And it's a quick car ride for him, you know, an hour and a half or so in the car. I'm sure his family is going to be with him. Very different, very much more complicated in this COVID era for you. Talk us through that a bit. Um, I mean, it's weird, you know, especially being an international student um, with this whole COVID thing. Like, um, it's definitely a first for anybody. So. Um, taking it one day at a time, one step at a time. So um, I think it'll definitely be hard, you know, um, not having that um, family connection like the other kids are going to have, um, just seeing their families whenever they want. So um, I think um, I'll be fine because it's nothing new to me. You know, I've been doing this for the past two years. So, um, you know, I'm used to being away from home, used to being away from family. So, um, you know, all in all, I think that helped me also with the maturity aspect of things, you know, being away from home. So. Um, I think it's just another challenge that I'm ready for, for sure. 
what's the plan initially from your point of view for getting to work as a college student, as a college athlete here in, in January? And then hopefully there'll be a spring ball on the horizon for, for everybody in college football, unlike last year. What are your kind of initial goals that you want to set out to accomplish with this head start, as opposed to if you hadn't been able to get to campus until June? Right. I mean, you know, just taking advantage of the resources I have. Right. So um, from a football development standpoint to an academic standpoint to, um, you know, getting to know coach your system more, getting to know his offense more. I think, you know, coming in early just gives me the opportunity to, to really learn, soak up information and grow. So um, that's my goal, you know, be a sponge, um, learn as much as I can, get as comfortable as I can be and um, just do everything to the best of my ability, you know, show everybody that, you know, I deserve to be there and that I earn that scholarship offer and that, um, you know, I don't want to disappoint any of these coaches for sure. So I'm coming in with the mentality that I'm going to go get it. And, you know, it's, it was meant to be me in that position. So, yeah. Coach Yersic, you mentioned the conversation. Has he passed along any specifics about his offense? I mean, has he given you some film to review or is that stuff that's waiting for you when you get to campus? I mean, it's all waiting. You know, he doesn't know um, what he's going to translate over from text and all that stuff. So, We've definitely had a lot of conversation and we had um, a couple of meetings already discussing a couple of things. So I think when I get there, he's definitely going to have a plan laid out for us and um, we'll get started in there. Have you been in on Zoom calls, I guess, with the other quarterbacks through some meetings, Sean Clifford on down with that group that's already there? Are you getting acclimated when, in terms of relationships within that position? Yeah, I mean, I've been, um, ever since I signed, I've been in a couple of meetings with all those quarterbacks. So um you know you can tell it's a great group um they all support each other and um it's really a family you know at the end of the day they um you know we're all brothers and you can tell from just the way they talk to each other the way they communicate that um they all respect each other so i'm i'm definitely excited to join that room for sure off the football field there's obviously a lot more to gain when you're at a, a large university like penn state what are you setting out to accomplish in the classroom? Do you have any specific goals as far as a degree goes, as far as a profession, maybe away from the football field someday? I mean, um, you know, I want to major in finance, so I'm definitely big into um, stock market, you know, companies and stuff like that. So one day, um, you know, I definitely want to own my own company, be my own boss, something like that. So, um, you know, to get into the finance, um, to announce your finance major, you need to have a 3.5 GPA requirement to get in. So I think that's a good goal for me to keep my GPA above a 3.5 and um, really get that target so that I can get to the finance major and really pursue um, future careers that I want to get into. So I think it's really important to, you know, stay on top of your academics and stuff like that. So I asked this question of Jesse Luketa a couple of years back because like you, he left home, went to his school, stayed there for a few years, then got the opportunity to play power five football. When you think about making that move initially to Canisius in, in New York, I guess you were about 15 years old at the time, leaving your home country to do that. Is this the exact kind of opportunity that you always hoped would come up and, and would be realistic? And what does it mean to actually get to this point where you are making that that transition? It's pretty crazy to think, you know, like four or five years ago that, um, you know, probably didn't think this would be a possibility. Didn't think this would be one of the avenues that I would take. But to be here, you know, you just reflect on um the journey and like you said like when I was a week removed from my 16th birthday I moved down to Buffalo first time away from home and family so you know I definitely come a long way but I think it's all worth it and you know we're not stopping now that's for sure last question for you Christian what do Nittany Lions fans need to know 
about what they're getting from you as a person and as a quarterback, I suppose. What is your general message to all our listeners out there who are going to be curious about what these next several years look like for you on campus? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I'm a goofy guy, you know, huge personality. Um, you know, definitely be an exciting character, I hope. Um, I hope that everybody likes me on campus, stuff like that. So, um, you know, I'm a respectful guy. Um, I'm humble. So um, there shouldn't, shouldn't be any issues with that stuff. So um, I'm just excited to get there. You know, I want to make Nini Nation proud. Um, all the alums proud, coaches proud. So um, I'm excited. So I'll make I'll make sure that it's worth it. I'm thrilled for you to get to this point in your development, a long time coming. And we've had a few conversations. We appreciate every one of them, but probably none more than now, because I know this is a very hectic week for you and, and your family getting ready for this move. So thank you so much. And, and next time we talk, hopefully it'll be in person and it will be here in campus. Sweet. Thank you, man. Good stuff from Christian. I believe that was his third time on this podcast since committing to Penn State. Um, really appreciate all the conversations and look forward to our next one when he is underway with his career. But we're going to keep quarterbacks in the spotlight. We will get to some more early enrollment conversation in just a moment. But Sean, we've been tracking this since the arrival of Mike Yersich. You're always curious about how that initial reach out will go with players at the position that a coach is focused in on. We've got some early indications, but we have to start the conversation with the guy that he prioritized uh, for a phone call very quickly, Bo Prabula. I've been committed to Penn State since the summer, had a, uh, just a sensational junior season for Central York on the way to a state championship game, uh, Classics A Player of the Year in the state of Pennsylvania, and, and that's where this discussion needs to start. Yes, uh, I mean, he's got to be one of your first calls. Uh, I assume Christian Veyu was, was up there as well, but yeah, he's been the centerpiece of that 2022 class so far, even though he's not the, the highest rated guy, but that quarterback is so important. And obviously you look at Bo Perbula's history and you say, okay, he came onto the radar as an athlete, a guy that, you know, really ran a lot, but now he moved to that spread as a, as a junior this year and put up monster numbers. So, you know, maybe he's a guy that, that does fit in this sling it around t- uh, type of big play offense. And, and you think that, I think you get, you got to reset your expectations for Bo Perbula here, based on the progress that we've seen from him being a sophomore to him being a junior. So I think that's certainly something to keep in the back of your mind. Now, he talked to uh, Brian Doan this week or uh, earlier this week uh, or over the weekend um, where he has had some interactions with Mike Yersich in the past, specifically when he was at Ohio State, but called him up, says, OK, I think do fit in the offense and we're going to continue to to look at you and continue to hold your commitment, et cetera, et cetera. And and by the way, Perbula, I mean, he's he's all in on Penn State. He's a guy that's, you know, grew up a Penn State fan. There's so much going for him in terms of being a strong commitment. So, you know, anytime there's a, a coordinator change or a position coach change or something like that, you you, you maybe maybe not second guess is the word, but you kind of sit back and think, okay, is this is this best for me? And I do think it's a fit. I, mean, I still think he's going to have to continue to improve as a thrower, improve his that, that arm strength and accuracy and everything like that. But I, I don't think it's a, a a mismatch at all. I mean, I think he can come in. I think he can play in the new offense, and I think he can be successful in that new offense. But at the same time, you're such still, and we've written about this a couple of times since um, you know since he was hired, is they're they're still going to set themselves up. Where where you got to get in contact, find guys that you think fit your style because, you know, with a coaching change, with a coordinator change, uh, things like that, that quarterback room that you see on campus right now may not be the same as it is even in, you know, April or May or something like that. So I think that that's what you're seeing right now is you're such not only, um, you know, talking to Provula saying, okay, everything's good here, but not necessarily setting up to take a quarterback, in, a second quarterback in the class, but 
putting yourself in a position to do so if that's where you choose to, to if that's the direction in which you choose to go. Yeah, there's 11 months ahead of us before that early signing period for this 2022 class. If, if you follow recruiting, you know that the, the second half, the spring of a, of a junior year is typically a huge, huge stretch uh, for the quarterback class. Uh, you don't see a lot of guys reach their senior season undecided. We'll see how, how the ability to take visits comes into play here because we're talking about a significant amount of quarterbacks who haven't been able to visit schools since their sophomore year now, and, and they're looking to head towards their senior season. So that's a sizable gap. Um, but, but, you know, Pabriola hearing, hearing very quickly is not surprising at all. Um, and, and just going back to the conversation we heard with Pabriola that, that when he joined us on the podcast after his commitment, uh, he didn't know what they, what their plan was with two quarterbacks. They didn't make any promises about him being the only guy. We know we heard from Christian Bayou earlier this cycle about, you know, him being told he was going to be the only guy and that kind of being important to him, uh, with the decision and moving ahead with Penn state. Pabriola was basically like, I'm open to, to, to if they if they feel like they want to do that. Um, and I haven't really been told one way or the other. So that was with a different offensive coordinator. Of course, you're going to get a fresh set of eyes. You're going to get a, a fresh list. You're going to get a fresh, uh, essentially, pecking order of maybe how you want to prioritize some of these other passers. And a name that we had discussed before, because he was actually the first 2022 quarterback to get an offer when Kirk Shiraka arrived, is A.J. Duffy out of California, who – um, between his sophomore year out in California to now going to be a, an IMG Academy quarterback. He did not play this fall because the season was postponed out there, but he's going from California to Florida. And along the way, he's found time to, to check out state college. So he has some experience on campus. So it's no surprise to me as well from your reporting uh, that Mike Yersich uh, made AJ Duffy a guy that he wanted to have some dialogue with right off the bat. Well, AJ Duffy is a guy that's really taken it upon himself to show that what kind of interest he has. And, you know, he was obviously offered by Kirk Shiraka last January. And, you know, he's put the Penn, he's put Penn State in his top five, top 10, top 15. All of his, all of his lists have always had Penn State. And you kind of have heard that they're up there. It doesn't really make a ton of sense. You know, California kid going into a program that's already got a quarterback commit. Now, this guy is just outside the top 100 in the 24 7 sports composite ranking. So obviously he can play. Um, but, you know, he took it upon himself. He got out here in November and checked out campus and things like that. And it's probably a situation where if he would have been able to travel last year, he would have come to camp. So certainly showing an amount of interest that is a little bit abnormal for a kid from California. Let's put it, put it that way. Um, so he's going to move down to IMG Academy at the end of the month. Drew Shelton, who is already down there, told us that he's certainly one of his targets. So, I mean, if you've got a kid that's that interested, and like I said, it doesn't make a, a, a heck of a lot of sense that he's that interested, especially given the circumstances of you having a quarterback already and being across the country, you might as well make a, make a run at it and see what you can do with it. Duffy's a very talented guy. He's put up some big numbers, obviously missed a, the junior year because they didn't play football out there uh, in, in 2020. Um, but there's a, there's a lot to like there. And it's like, Hey, well, why not show interest in this kid? This is one where you just, if you're a Penn state staff, you really hope that you have a situation to get him into Beaver stadium for a game and showcase what that experience is like and wonder if maybe that can push you over the edge feels like Penn State's going to be a name that remains in whatever his top group is uh, moving forward for a bit. Uh, things are going to be a bit different at IMG. He already was hearing from the who's who of the college football world, but particularly in that Pac-12 region, you go to IMG, you're the quarterback there, you're surrounded by this talent, you've got coaches coming through constantly, although right now not, not so much more of a virtual presence 
everything you do is going to be under that microscope. And, and it's, you know, if he goes off, has a big year, has a, has a big, you know, practice session down there, people are going to take notes. So this will be a highly competitive recruitment. Um, and this is one where you're very interested to see where, where it goes. And just a reminder, Bo Perbula bumped up to four-star in the composite rankings uh, this season coming off of his junior year. A.J. Duffy has been situated there for a long time. Um, and, and he's not the only 2022 quarterback who is experiencing some reach out from the new offensive coordinator. Yeah, I think that Mike Yersich is in the in the process of taking those guys that he knew from Texas and maybe even all the way back that that he knew from Ohio State, sort of getting those guys in line. Maybe he saw them in camp at some point or he was out on the road, um, you know, before this the, the pandemic and, and saw these guys thrown. I think that's a really interesting sort of subplot here to this quarterback recruiting is that, um, you know, the dead period ends on April 15th, I believe it is. That's interesting to me because that tells me that at least they're gearing up or they're looking at the prospect of getting coaches out on the road for the spring evaluation period, whether that would start right away or whether that would happen in May or maybe even later than that. Um, that that's interesting to me because he could get out there, he could see these guys throw, and that's such a big um, evaluation step for for a lot of you know, quarterback coaches, offensive coordinators. Oftentimes, uh, the, the, they're one and the same. Um, but I think that's going to be an interesting subplot when you talk about this because in that 2021 cycle, uh, there's a lot of quarterbacks out there that did not get a chance to throw in front of a college coach, whether that be at camp. And you look at some of these guys that are late risers and and potentially maybe two or three years down the road, are saying how how do we miss on this kid or how did um, you know, coaches miss on this kid and he ended up uh, at a, an FCS school or, and he's looking to transfer up or something along those lines. And you just think back to this, this cycle and, hey, nobody got to throw for for any coaches that wasn't on film. And now Bo Perbula, to his credit, went out there and, and, and threw it around in the field and videotaped it. And that's one big reason he did get an offer from Kirk Shiraka. And I think that that's something that, you know, you can only tell so much about. You got out there and you see him throwing around. You see the whip on it. I know you and I, during the break here, uh, saw that video from Will Levis and saw him just throwing around, as you mentioned, like a third baseman, just whipping that pill around. Um, and it, it's really interesting to see the difference in in in-person evaluation, video evaluation, game film evaluation, game highlight evaluation, things like that. There's different levels to that. And when you're investing a scholarship in something as important as a quarterback, that's uh, that's kind of a big deal. I'm glad you mentioned the Will Levis video. I was itching to mention it in some way in this segment because we we were just before we pushed record again, we watched that thing through and it's up online 24-7. I just posted it on the message board. No one can ever question the velocity that Will Levis brings to the quarterback position. Um, and, and I think we just get so used to seeing him being utilized as the battering ram this year and really for a lot of his redshirt freshman year as well that you tend to forget about what he can bring and a lot to bring together there, a lot to polish, as we've discussed in the past. Can he be that guy? I don't know, but man, that, that was that was a fun video. It's mesmerizing was really the word I used. When, when we were both kind of just, whoa, ooh, wow. Yeah. There's not much, there's not much arc in that one. Um, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we've been saying that for the better part of a year and a half. Arm strength is not an issue with Will Levis, never has been an issue with Will Levis. He's the strongest arm that I've come through or that I've seen come through here. And that includes, you know, Hackenberg, that includes Anthony Morelli. I mean, he just can, he can flat out throw the ball where it goes when it, when he throws it has, has been a, a point of discussion. And, and obviously he's been used more as a runner um, because of his athletic ability and things like that. But man, 
he can he could throw it around and that's that's something when you take into account as i mentioned seeing these guys in person and you know a lot of these workouts will take place in shorts and a t-shirt and uh it, is, it hasn't exactly gone well for a lot of these guys that can throw it around like that so we'll see how he continues to develop and i think the spring is certainly important for him you get a fresh set of eyes on you and mike yersich and maybe mike yersich says okay i can do something with this and uh whether or not that happens i mean uh, based on what we've seen from levis on the field so far you you have a right to be skeptical, but it's certainly an, a, an open um, invitation for him to get up there, get in there and compete with Sean Clifford, because as, as we've seen, or as we've talked about many, many times, I mean, this is a job that's, that's worth being open. Will Levis recruited to campus by Joe Moorhead. Welcome to campus by Ricky Ronnie, uh, pushed by Kirk Sharaka last year. And, and now here we go with Mike Yersich. Uh, so four different evaluators uh, taking a look at him. Will Levis, Sean Clifford, everybody else in that quarterback room, they're going to be joined next week by the man you just heard from, Christian Veyu. But a few months down the road, uh, there will be another addition to that quarterback room, one of the walk-on variety, a preferred walk-on, Evan Clark out of Mannheim Township. He was throwing the ball around to Anthony Ivey this past season. Ivey, of course, uh, one of the marquee members of the 2022 Penn State class, uh, a top wide receiver across the country. Um, out of Mannheim Township. And this is a kid I had a chance to speak with this week, Evan Clark. Uh, And Sean, he's a guy who, really interesting background. We'll have a story up probably by the time this podcast is released, but he's lived all over the place. Mom and dad are big Wisconsin fans. Uh, You know, there's just a lot of the background dynamics, but here's the story with him. Didn't start at quarterback until his senior year. It was an abbreviated senior year because of how 2020 shaped up. He went out there, I believe, 18 touchdowns, no interceptions over the course of the year. Did some good things as a runner as well. He's six foot three, 215 pounds. Said he had conversations about preferred walk on opportunities with some other Power Five programs. Virginia Tech was one of those schools. He actually said Marshall was 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 discussing defensive possibilities with him, maybe outside linebacker. This kid did not put together a ton of tape in high school and. It was a late deal for him as a senior. I was surprised. Here's my biggest takeaway from the conversation with Evan Clark. Did not hear from Kirk Chiraca directly. Did hear from Mike Yursich directly. And very quickly after that, he decided he was going to head to Penn State as a preferred walk-on. His, his, his relationship with Penn State before then had been more with some of the personnel department. Uh, but the first coach he really had that direct contact with Mike Yersich, and and I think Mike Yersich wants to make sure he's he's making sure every chair in that quarterback room is filled with guys that he sees potential in, that guys that can contribute, and guys that he can work with. And Clark says, uh, you know, that that he sees that he uh, that Yersich thinks he can stretch the field with his arm, that he can do some things with his legs. Didn't really get into to the nitty gritty of that conversation, but I thought it was notable that very quickly that conversation happened, and almost immediately afterward, he says. Hey, I'll take my shot at Penn State. I know I'm not a scholarship guy, but uh, let's see what happens. Yeah, Director of High School Relations, Dan Kabbalah, uh, doing a lot of work these days with not only the high school kids, the walk-on kids or run-ons as they call them, but also um, the, the following the transfer portal and doing all that kind of stuff. So a lot of work going on there. Uh, yeah, he's uh, Evan Clark's a guy. And this happens. It's it's kind of funny how this happens is you put in tape of a, of a receiver, whether it be a you know Penn State commit or a guy that they're looking at. And, you know, inevitably at some point someone says, hey, who's that guy throwing the ball? And, and Evan Clark was, was that guy this year. 
year. Um, you know, really, some really good quarterbacks in the Lancaster Lebanon League this year. Uh, you had Clark at Mannheim Township, Nolan McCracken at Warwick, who obviously, you know, uh, you know, people got to look at him because of, of Nolan Rucci. Sean McTaggart at uh, Lampeter Stroudsburg is actually the son of my one of my old football coaches, uh, which makes me feel ridiculously old. Um, but it's uh, it, it's been really cool to watch those guys sort of come onto the radar. I had great senior seasons this year, and that, and that was cool in itself because you wouldn't know if they had a senior season. McTaggart, uh, you know, in uh, specifically tore his knee up as a junior and had a really good season this year. So there's certainly some some quality quarterbacks in Pennsylvania this year, and it's in, it's been cool to watch. And going back to Evan Clark, I mean, you 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 see. You, you you look at the tape and you see a, you know a good athlete a guy that can throw the ball but you mentioned Marshall reaching out as an outside linebacker I tell you what I love that I mean you you're, you're bringing in a walk on that's you know essentially risk free from you know scholarship standpoint and maybe develops into a quarterback and let's be honest outside of Matt McGloin really doesn't happen for for very many walk on quarterbacks but if you can add value to that roster you saw Grayson Klein was a, a high school quarterback who came in as a quarterback ended up at tight end it, you know played on the scout team for a couple of years so that might be a situation where you see an Evan Clark go that direction but if you can add value um, to your team whether that be a quarterback whether that be on the defensive side of the ball with it with some of these run-ons uh, that's a it's a fantastic way to go so certainly uh, anticipating reading your story it sounds pretty interesting on Evan Clark and um, it, it's uh, all these all these walk-on stories are are always what people want to read I know Penn State fans have feel a connection to a lot of these walk-ons and and figure out uh, whether they can um, ever make it or not and usually they don't I mean that's an unfortunate downside to this but it it's always a cool story to read because everybody, you know, sort of comes from that, that own or that different kind of cloth. And, and it's just ends up oftentimes being a pretty cool story. Evan Clark in seven games as a senior, 22 total touchdowns, a 70% completion percentage and zero interceptions. Uh, let's look at this early enroll list before we get out of here, Sean, we will have one question to get to in the, in the five-star mailbag in a moment, but you heard from Christian Veyu, a lot of conversation there. you have anything to add on Veyu? Because um, I, I kind of did all my talking on him with him during that conversation. Yeah, it's just another guy that I'm interested to see how he develops. I think in terms of, um, you know, arm strength, he's he's pretty good. In terms of accuracy, he's pretty good. In terms of the combination of the two, I think it's, you know, better than we've seen Penn State bring in in, in the last five years. So that's, uh, you know, I, I don't know that he's the best thrower. I think he might be the best passer. Unfortunately for him, not getting a senior year, that that's tough. I mean, because that's, you know, essentially he's going to be two years off of football because um, he's going to redshirt this year, I feel pretty confident in. But, you know, he's got a lot of the tools that you like and and you know hopefully he can make those steps and get back into the swing of things for the spring i think coming in the spring is definitely a good thing but uh yeah it's uh it's tough to see him miss out on a year of football especially given his background given what he has had to work with in the in the past and you know making the transition to the american game is something that he's been able to do at the american level but at the same time there's always some sort of learning curve there some sort of um issue that he's going to have to overcome and uh we'll see what happens with him i mean I'm, I'm I'm optimistic that he can make strides. How how quickly can he ascend to starter, too deep, whatever? I I have absolutely no idea, but we'll see what how how Mike Yurisa handles the situation. I'm curious to see if if down the road, I'm not saying it happens in 2021 by any means, but down the road, Christian Veyu ends up being your guy at quarterback and has success for you at Penn State. We talked about there's a Canadian pipeline. It's legit. The people up in Canada. The trainers, the influential football people, they've been watching Penn State closely for years now. And, and they've been, you know, kind of helping guys get more understanding of Penn State and, and maybe get on campus at different times. If you got a quarterback to seat out of that country, 
I mean, get ready for, for Penn State to be Canada's team uh, because because I, I just think that's a fascinating thing. I, you know how I always love to bring that conversation. You love your Canadians, man. That's uh, that's for sure. No doubt about I, it. I, man, I got a chance to go up there for a week. It was an awesome experience. Hit four different cities, went to football camps, and just had a, a, a greater appreciation for what they got to do to put themselves on the map. And Christian Veyu is, is the latest example, a kid who left home when he was 16 years old and has gone to two schools in the States, has that experience of being away from home. That's something that a lot of guys don't have, Sean. big part of the transition process is leaving home and getting used to living on a campus, and that's not an easy thing to do right now from a social perspective because of the restrictions in place with COVID. Nate Bruce, short trip for him, hour and a half or so out of Harrisburg. We had him on the podcast a little bit earlier this year. Landon Tengwall, uh, I'm getting ready to record with him as soon as we're done. You've heard him on the podcast before. Couple linemen here, a small offensive line class. Maybe they add a third guy down the stretch before February, Sean. What do you make of these two, both evaluated by 24 7 Sports as four stars? Landon Tengwall obviously at a different tier. Uh, he comes in behind only Michael Mennett and Rashid Walker in terms of linemen who have signed uh, with Penn State under James Franklin. But like those other guys, that star rating is going to go away pretty quickly. Um, so we'll see where, where he uh, you know stands when he gets onto campus. But they feel like he's a guy that can compete. Very soon. Um, that's not necessarily saying he's going to be a starter as a freshman or anything like that. But uh, physically, he's there. Um, you know, mentally, he's got to take those or make that jump, and that's not an easy thing to do. But he gets the spring, and that's not something that they were expecting to have from him because of the way that the, those schools are set up down there. You don't see a ton of early enrollees or any really early enrollees. So um, getting him on campus for spring, I think, is going to be big. I think you can start him out at tackle. It's going to be similar to to, to how handle uh, excuse me how Penn State handled Connor McGovern a couple of years ago. I think bring him in, get him to play tackle, get him comfortable there because tackle is so, so important. And anytime you want to you know, slide him out there if that's possible. And then eventually I, I do see him ending up at guard and that's uh, not a knock on him in, in, or anything like that, but I think he'd be a pretty damn good guard. I think he'd be a very good center as well. So, um, you know, just a lot of, a lot to like there. They think he can play all five positions. I think he can be that rare guy that's, you know, we do see on the field as a freshman, whether that means he's, he's starting or not. I, 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 that's tough to see at this point. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, just in terms of guys that are coming in ready to ready to go. And, and I'm sure in your interview next week, he's going to reiterate that he's ready to come in and ready to play because there's no shortage of confidence there about making that mental jump, uh, understanding the playbook and things like that. And, and I think that that's a guy that you can definitely see on the field uh, in sooner rather than later. Nate Bruce, who we covered in depth earlier this week, following the interview, we talked about him wasn't playing as a freshman in high school. Landon Tengwell was picking up power five offers as a freshman in high school. He has been of the mindset that this moment was going to come for him uh, for a long time. I'd imagine back to middle school knowing Landon. So uh, we'll, we'll see what he makes of it. And then again, you'll hear from him coming up soon on the Lions 24 seven podcast. Once again, uh, on the other side of the trenches, he got one defensive lineman on board. It's certainly an area that we're still focused on before the February signing day, but this is one that kind of surfaced late for us, Sean Rodney McGraw out of Indiana, former Hoosiers commit, uh, the only guy who has committed uh, in that class, as I said, uh, since the, the transition from Sean Spencer to John Scott Jr. What do we make of this kid? Because he has really physically had some gains over the course of his upperclassman high school career and was highly productive. Steve Wiltfong was was on the sideline for one of his early senior games, and he was quite dominant in that setting. 
Yeah, he was he was dominant. Got a lot bigger as a senior. I'm looking it up right now. Two fifty five in uh, December was the last check in that he had. So might be one of those situations where he takes a little bit of weight off, puts a little bit of that good weight back on. And I, I don't see him as an early contributor here. I, I think he's a guy that you know can eventually develop into a pretty solid defensive end. He's probably in that mold um, CJ Alanion type type guy that you know you can play against the run and, and maybe eventually get to the quarterback. But I think he's a, he's a pretty good prospect. Um, yeah, that that defensive line class in 2021 is is going to be uh, that's going to be something we're probably going to be talking about for a while now because that's not uh, that has not boiled over and has not uh, rolled over from Sean Spencer. John Scott obviously with just the one commit still after George Rooks still after a couple of guys in that defensive line. Um, but yeah, you're going to have to go to the portal to to maybe a little bit more than you wanted to to sort of patch those holes. Now we'll see what happens. I think they're in a really good spot with some guys in the 2022 class on the defensive line, but. And again, they're probably in a pretty good spot with some 2021 guys at this time last year. So uh, I'm not sure McGraw is an early impact type guy, but you got to continue to stack bodies at, at defensive end. And he's a guy that uh, eventually can become a player. A couple incoming transfer portal additions there uh, on the defensive line. You're getting some veterans in there. Hopefully that buys you some time to build up some of the younger players in that room. Uh, at cornerback, you know that's that's a room that is not lacking for younger players. Uh, there's there's a bunch of impressive talent that's that's returning, um, and you're adding two more early here. Kalen King, the top ranked defensive member of this 2021 recruiting class, and then a guy that I just feel has kind of gone under the radar because of when he committed. It was among that spree of commitments in the spring. Uh, Jeffrey Davis out of Connecticut. Um, both of them getting to campus early. Uh, but but I, I feel like even with that room and, and what you have situated there and what you know you have, I still think Kalen King is situated to make a charge. And if you heard Terry Smith back in December evaluating what they saw from this kid as a senior, I mean, they just felt so good about the offer and the commitment and what they saw him take that next step this fall. Oh, he's fantastic. I mean, there's no secret that I'm a a big Kalen King fan. And I think that they've showed it probably at corner more than anywhere, anywhere that they'll play a true freshman. And I think, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough mountain to climb for him because there's a lot of uh, experienced bodies in front of him. But I think he can, you know, make an impact early and, uh, you know, in a perfect world, he could, you know, just be right in that mix. Jeffrey Davis is a guy also didn't get a senior season of high school. That's not great, um, obviously, but uh, he's he's a really good athlete, a uh, guy that uh, you know has pretty good size. Wouldn't be shocked to see him eventually as a safety. Um, it's just a matter of how physical he can be and how much that uh, that position can come around. And as we mentioned, corner recruiting has far outweighed safety recruiting in terms of numbers, in terms of talent, in terms of guys that they can you know eventually develop. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting combination. But him missing his senior year of high school, and I know Connecticut's not the the you know, the, the be all end all of high school football, but that's a long time in between there. So I'm, ex- I'm excited to see how he develops. And both of those guys are, are legitimate athletes. Three defensive backs on the roster now uh, out of Connecticut, along with Tyler Rudolph at safety and, and Marquise Wilson at cornerback. Um, and speaking of being overshadowed by Kalen, Kobe King, the twin brother, not as highly ranked. He's a three-star guy but tremendously productive at a powerhouse program, Cast Tech High School uh, up in Detroit. And Terry Smith pegged this kid as a future lo- locker room leader. He thinks he's got captain material. 
Yeah. I mean, that's, that was one of those things that you watched him as a senior and you're like, okay, this guy, I don't know what his ceiling is, but I know that he can play. And I know that he's really taking a big, taking a big step. And that's, you know, when you get those, when you evaluate those Mike linebackers that are about that size, about what, six foot, 235, 240 or something like that, not a lot of room for improvement, not a lot of room for growth. These guys are the guys that lead their team in tackles as a sophomore and then lead their team in tackles as a junior, lead their team in tackles as a senior. But the, the years really aren't that much different. I think Kobe King may be a bit of an exception there. Uh, you know, he was hurt last year as a junior, came on this senior uh, this year as a senior. I think it was a pleasant surprise out there. So curious to see where he fits in. I think he's a, you know, he is a linebacker. He's got some instincts. He can he can run around and and do some good things. And he's he's a bit faster than I thought. Um, he was based on his tape from a June from his junior year. Like I said, the injury probably had something to do with that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see K- Kobe King. Uh, you know, limited physically. That, that is what it is. It's not going to change. But you know, you can make up for that with instincts. You can make up that with that for you know by your general football acumen. And I think he's one of those guys that can do that. Uh, four additions on defense, three of them on offense. Showing up the campus this weekend. We'll see where the rest of the path in Happy Valley takes them in these years to come. But Penn State's roster continues to move forward. It continues to evolve. These guys are part of that next wave. And and let's just say this. I think we can all agree, regardless of how you evaluate these individual prospects, we all hope their experience is different than what the 2020 class encountered uh, with their spring ball being wiped off the board. They had that winter conditioning program. That was helpful. They had the time living away from home. That's helpful. Got acclimated in the class. But socially uh, with the team and it was a rough rough first semester for that group at at the very least Penn State's prepared with contingencies that they simply could not have been prepared with with that freshman class last year and regardless we ended up seeing some really impressive performances out of that freshman group from the guys who showed up early and the guys who showed up last summer Sean going to the five-star mailbag we got time before before we get there one one more thing a couple other guys moving in those four transfers will move in this weekend uh the guys out of the portal then of course uh Shippensburg transfer Winston Eubanks uh walk-on safety Dom DeLuca and walk-on punter transfer Barney Amore um are going to move in this weekend as well so those guys won't be the only ones uh you know checking out campus for the first time it should be a you know a pretty big group what is that uh seven and seven 14 guys moving in this weekend so that's a it's a pretty good uh chunk to add to your roster Knew you had the walker walk on punter up your sleeve. I should have given you the space to address it. Let's get to our mailbag now. Sorry for cutting you off there. Um, here's the question we got, and it relates to that February signing day. Do you think this February national signing day will have a lot more action than previous years since the early signing period may have been slowed by COVID? I don't I don't know if this applies generally to the national scene, but we'll keep it here locally with Penn State. By the way, that walk-on punter is named Barney. He was born in the Netherlands and he moved to England. So he's got to, I think his parents live in Switzerland now. So he's got some some stories behind him. So let's not get I'm too s- far I'm away. Setting, I'm setting the over-under at 10 and a half articles from you on this kid over the course of his Penn State career. Good old Barney Amore. Anyway, uh, no, it's uh, that's a good question because you know Penn State has typically not been very active in the uh, in the second signing day. Now I think something something to import or something important to remember here is you've got a hard cap of 25 guys. So you take those four transfers, those four scholarship transfers that you've got in or that you've been able to get in so far. And then you add that to the 15 commits. Is it right? Is it now for the 2021 class? So you're at 19. So, you know, it cuts down on the number of guys that you're able to take. Not that Penn state's in a tremendous opportunity, in a tremendous spot to take more guys from the 2021 class. But if you're trying to sort of, uh, 
roughly adjust your numbers um, based on this. You got to take into account the transfers. You got to take into account the guys that are, that are already committed. Um, it's a long-winded way of saying it's they're not going to add 10 more guys to this class. So um, I think that that's something to take into account when you take into, uh, you look at they're still after other transfers, that's going to impact it, but still want to add, um, you know, some, some high school guys. Cause that's the, it's your bread and butter right there. Defensive end is still a priority. Still going after Dave on uh, Townley out there in Minnesota, George Rooks has been on the board seemingly forever as a defensive tackle um, defensive back as a spot. You know, it seems like they have great numbers there, but maybe want to add another safety uh, from the high school ranks. So got guys like Calvin Johnson on board or excuse me, uh, guys like Calvin Johnson on the board, not on board um, from down there in Mississippi. So you're looking to add athleticism. So I think it'll be a fairly quiet signing day. I don't think it's going to be nothing like it has been in the past couple of years, but you know, you still want to add those guys uh, still after an offensive tackle as well. So it will depend on how they they recruit over the next three weeks. And without being able to get these guys on campus, you kind of it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, as we said earlier. So I think it will be a little more active, but I don't think it's going to be anything to write home about uh, the first Wednesday in February. Um, it's just been that kind of cycle for Penn State. And maybe you sign a couple of guys, but I don't think it's a, it's a sure thing that you're going to see uh, fireworks here at the end of the cycle. I can say with confidence that that National Signing Day press conference, which used to be so pivotal and so much about all the guys that sign with you over the course of the cycle, that's going to be heavy on the offensive coordinator chains. It's going to be heavy on the transfer portal. There'll be some recruiting conversation, but that is the next time we're supposed to speak with James Franklin based on the kind of the flow of the media availability in recent and de- years. And December's was during a game week. So there were, we were talking about yeah. recruits with them. And then all of a sudden you get a, a question on the cornerbacks and uh, crazy things like that. So hopefully maybe, maybe hopefully they'll give us a long us a, one. Yeah. Maybe yeah. they'll give us a little more time. And, and last year they gave us, uh, I believe that was the first time they gave us Shiraka and Phil Troutwine. So hopefully we get yeah. Mike Yersich on that, uh, that signing day press conference as well. That's the, that's the anticipation there. I've got to get to Landon Tangwall here in a moment. Uh, our listeners will hear from him next. Next week. Um, for now, though, Sean, thanks for all you do. Thanks to Christian Veyu, wishing him well as he gets started at Penn State. And we'll talk to all you folks at lines247.com and, of course, on the next episode of the Lions 24 7 podcast.